Hello everyone, this is episode 4 of the Fancy Lab Code Guild. Today, our special guest is Dr. Victoria Pinova. But before we get started, I do want to mention that this episode is sponsored by SciFind. It's a scientific collaboration network. SciFind is a platform where scientists can share empirical information like methods, protocols, or expertise. Scientists that join SciFind can connect with their peers to troubleshoot in either broad or narrow, narrow disciplines and can grow their reputation in more ways than just papers. So, who do we have wearing our fancy, silky lab coat today? <laughs> Dr. Victoria Pionova, a world-class polymer chemist with a boatload of accomplishments. As CTO at her current company, Lollyware, she's disrupting the plastic industry with her seaweed-derived plastic analogs. Lollyware has engineered a new category of high-performance products designed to disappear and be carbon-negative at scale. By using seaweed to replace plastic at scale, Lollyware is tapping into the power of seaweed to regenerate our ocean and contribute to the decarbonization of our planet. The status quo that single-use products should be built to last is really destroying our planet, and Victoria is taking matters into her own hands in weaning us off this toxic material dependence. She's got her PhD from USC, completed her postdoc at Caltech, had an illustrious career at IBM Research, and holds the prestigious title of Master Inventor. She's the recipient of the American Chemical Society's Young Investigator and Young Industrial Polymer Scientist Awards uh, for her outstanding contributions to industrial innovation. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. <laughs> it's lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Wow. <laughs> so, Victoria, I would, I'd like to usually start by asking you, how are you? Like, how are you really today? Um, doing good. Um, <laughs> very energized. Uh, <laughs> had a very productive, very exciting week. Uh, bringing seaweed, seaweed-derived materials, uh, plastic replacement onto market. Mm. And uh, so hopefully the bright future uh, is near. So, okay. Now that we got to know like how you're feeling this week, I kind of want to go back in time a bit. I want to get to know who, like we, we have this amazing introduction about you. We've seen you and all your accomplishments. How would you describe yourself, Victoria? Like who is Victoria in Victoria's eyes? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Somebody's really tenacious who never gives up. <laughs> That's probably the best, um, the best quality of myself uh, that I can think of. Mm. Uh, yeah, just never give up. Just That's keep beautiful. On, keep, keep on grinding. Hassler. <laughs> 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 so okay, cool. And then let's get to know like a bit about your background. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, I was born in Russia in a, in a very cold um, city of St. Petersburg, uh, which is uh, remarkably uh, the same climate zone as um, Anchorage, Alaska. So <laughs> you can <Wow>. compare <laughs> weather side by side, and it's not really that different. Um, so despite that, um, despite the climate, it is um, considered to be the capital of um, arts and um, uh, um, architecture in Russia, so um, I would say more like a cultural capital of Russia, and uh, there's quite a bit of influence, you know, in a sense that um, you get exposed to so much from um, different exhibits to um, also over, um, I believe, um, 150 universities in one city, so um, uh, that was a great environment to grow up and uh, uh, get introduced to Mm -hmm. um, various aspects of um, uh, culture and science. So with that said, um, I uh, um, also 
I guess my mindset as a scientist uh, was heavily influenced by my parents. Uh, both of them are doctors and uh, uh, just being scientifically curious and uh, uh, more science oriented um, kind of doctors in, in what was it like MD uh, or medicine, medicine oh wow yeah, that's yeah. really cool what mm -hmm. kind of doctors were they um, um, surgery and um, anesthesiology wow that's impressive yeah. so tell us a bit about your childhood then growing up with two doctors in the family that's also cool so high pressure like, yeah <laughs> high like were they demanding <laughs> Is there a lot of de like expectations from them on you or well, absolutely. The expectation was um, to be a doctor as well. Um, MD. MD, yeah. So it kind of runs in the family. Quite a few mm. members are um, in the same profession. And, uh, so they're uh, like PhDs and are not a real degree. <laughs> Did they give you that when you got it? That's, you, you, I've heard that with myself. Like, why are you getting your PhD? That's not a... <laughs> You're quoting my mother. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Oh, don't bring in the trauma. No, I, I am a doctor too. Oh, no, that's quite all right. You know, it's quite yeah, all right. We joke about it, yeah. Like. But uh, you ask about the childhood. Uh, yeah. I would say it's lonely because um, your parents are always busy. And mm. uh, I uh, was the only child in the family, I guess. They got oh, that wow. off the list and decided wow. <laughs> that's, oh, so that's time and oh, lot. Wow. Yes, I'm the only child. And uh, um, yeah, that definitely gave me a lot of time to, um, you know, find entertainment by um, being involved in sports. And then um, I guess there's a bit of a stereotypical activity for uh, Russian women to dance and uh, play piano and play tennis. So I've done oh, all wow. of it as well. What kind of dancing is it? I never knew that. Oh, it was just ballet. ballet. That's was impressive. A... Ballet is hard. Um, it, is, it is hard. I so... mean, for the listeners, Victoria is very fit, by the way. We can <laughs> see it. So that's that's probably like from the, all the hard work you've done with the ballet dancing. Thank you. Um, well, uh, ballet didn't last very long, but uh, would really, I think, um, also build a character. Um, I was doing long distance uh, running. Oh, and wow. uh, this That's is something really that cool. really trains you to be yeah. very disciplined and uh, uh, definitely builds the character. So I think, mm. uh, you know, uh, looking back and thinking of all the struggles with, um, you know, getting degree and uh, just all the challenges in the way, I think playing sports is quite important, definitely bu uh, builds your character quite a wow. bit. And uh, so for me, that was uh, very beneficial. That's so cool that you bring this up because mm -hmm. literally la our last episode was what a scientist that was connecting art with science yeah. and now you're connecting sport with science. Well, so in a way, in that's a way. That's really cool, yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I actually, like, I, I love to work out. So I'm on your, like, I see what you're talking about. Like, it gives yeah. you that discipline. Oh, absolutely. That no, yes. don't give up that pain and then the reward <laughs> after. So, yeah, I can see that in science as well. So, all right, now that we kind of got an idea about your childhood, what, like, would you say are one of your favorite memories growing up in Russia? Like, the top one that always kind of reminisce when you think about your childhood? Well, <laughs> good question. There are, there are quite a few. Um, but um, I think it just, you know, the presence um, of being... being in St. Petersburg and uh, around Christmas time. Mm. So it's not like one particular memory, but just like this excitement, excitement and the beauty. And, uh, um, you know, maybe <laughs> kind of reminiscing about this now because the unknown Christmas music is coming on. So yeah. <laughs> kind of makes you think makes you or travel, yeah, travel and back. Your parents are still in Russia, right? Um, yes. Oh, yes. cool. Okay, nice, yes, nice. Yes. So who would you say are one of your most influential people growing up? In terms of um, career in general, or both actually, if they have well, both, I want to. I would say I would say my parents and um, also my aunt. Um, she's um, also a very strong female personality and uh, endured quite a bit in her life. But it's just this attitude that you never give up. You always um, 
keep a positive attitude. And uh, I don't want to sound like a, a Pollyanna, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, it really does. It really does contribute to um, your overall well-being and uh, how you uh, position your brain or like how mm. do you how do you work on your mood uh so with that said you know there were quite a few uh people who i absolutely admire um in terms of um scientific influence and uh, uh i had i was very lucky i had absolutely wonderful um, um high school chemistry teacher and uh, that's mm. where the affair with chemistry has started oh wow <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like there's a really interesting thing i mean i'm i'm russian as well and there was always a very large fascination with sciences like from the get-go oh, you're yeah, you just, were mentioning that the other day yeah, yeah it's very uh, science and and art and culture like it's mm -hmm. the kind of thing where even as a kid you're already yeah. learning poetry That's they're like, like you have to learn poems you have to memorize them yes. and be yeah. able to like <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of my russian friends too now they're like I'll ask them, oh, what classical song do you like? They're like, song, you know, I don't know, what's your favorite opera? Like, they're like, oh, mm. Chopin or blah. Right, they're right. they're very, yeah. even, even, even if they're young, they could be in their early 20s, which is kind of different from mm. uh, an yeah. American perspective. Yeah, right? that's really interesting. So what kind of kid were you? Um, describe shy. in three words to help <laughs> it. Yeah, like describe your, your, Victoria's a kid in three words, let's see. Um shy um always busy <laughs> always doing something <laughs> and um uh, reading books i would say that's, that's that, probably I love, that, I love that last one uh again what, what description physical uh behavioral <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah. that's probably because um, i was kind of like i, I kind of want to see like how were you interacting but that, i think you answered that like your interaction with science as a kid because that's really cool to kind of analyze like were you always thinking about getting into science, being a scientist you are today? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, um, as a part of uh, a training uh, of a doctor, a medical doctor, you mm -hmm. have to really be good at biology and chemistry. And mm. uh, so I think my uh, my, my mom particularly, um, she was enamored by biology and uh, particularly growing plants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even, <laughs> even yeah. now there are lots of plants in the house. Um, and uh, so she somehow took time and effort to learn and memorize all this um, the, the nomenclature and the families mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. tell all kinds of stories. Um, so I think that was, you know, one of the one yeah. of the areas that kind of uh, got me thinking and interested. And uh, I didn't really like chemistry that much at first, um, taking taking classes in, in high school. Um, and uh, that, that changed uh, when I got this this very influential teacher who was, mm. uh, was absolutely, uh, she definitely brought the fascination. And uh, um, as Guy was mentioning, it's it, it was interesting because she um, introduced the subject as um, a combination of science and art. So there is so much art to chemistry. Like mm. you can really uh, be the creator because you get to um, control how uh, particle or molecules interact with each other. And uh, uh, it's not some dry um, science or si some dry activity. You actually have to be very creative in chemistry in order to be a successful scientist. Mm, nice. All right. So now that we kind of got a picture of who Victoria was growing up, I want to move on to your PhD chapter. Oh, yes. So you're a Trojan. Yes, yes, I am. Go Trojan. <laughs> <laughs> Fight on. Fight I'm actually on. a Trojan myself. I did my master's there. So did you go to Viterbi, right? You did Viterbi or? Um, no, it was actually um, chemistry department. Oh, the and, chemistry. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was at a local hydrocarbon institute. <laughs> oh, wow. That's impressive. Um, what, is there a specific reason you picked uh, USC? 
Well, um, uh, good question you asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess there is. Well, actually, a couple of reasons. Uh, I um, had a chance to do undergraduate research, and it started mm-hmm. in Germany and then um, uh, was finished at uh, Bowling Green State University. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was considering grad school, so I looked in Europe, and um, I looked through the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, so UC was one of the places. And, um, um, you know, as luck has it, um, I uh, visited uh, different campus- campuses, and uh, my yeah. UC visit was in January. And uh, seeing blooming flowers, um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> You're like, that's it, Yes, that's and then there was quite a bit of contrast. And, uh, you know, this is, this is very... Um, uh, um, I would say um, kind of surface <laughs> skin deep reason so yeah. it really is not that but these are uh, important reasons like weather well, is actually very important it changes your oh, mood on a daily basis oh absolutely yeah. yes and then also um, you know uh, I, I wanted to be back to the big city I, I grew up in a big mm. city and uh, I wanted that that type of environment yeah. uh, but also more than anything um, uh, my scientific advisor so I had a chance to speak with different professors and uh, um, was introduced to Dr. Hal Ganesh and uh, um, he was doing very interesting um, uh, research around uh, polymerization developing new materials and uh, simplifying the way how new ma- new materials are created mm. um, and uh, with just a combination of uh, great science and also uh, a very uh, admirable personality oh wow so I was very lucky with all my um, advisors from mm. um, you know undergraduate research to uh, uh, postdoctoral training um, every every time I was very very lucky with with mentors mm. so okay like to break it down a bit like in detail so mm-hmm. your research was basically involving developing new materials correct okay mm-hmm. and specifically under polymers can we say yes okay yes. okay so. and what got you into that specifically was it just like um, by chance or like a strike an interest well um there's always a, a pressure <laughs> for new materials for better materials mm. for cheaper materials for uh better performing materials and uh um, I did have a chance to uh, work on um, polymers that would uh, repel growth of um, um, uh, microorganisms or plants and uh, suppress fouling uh, on marine vessels, which uh, it doesn't sound very tedious and doesn't sound like very interesting, but it has a couple aspects. First of all, uh, um, having this growth really... Uh, um, increases the fuel consumption for the marine vessel mm. so then um, as uh, ships travel uh, back and forth they also disturb or bring new species and disturb the ecosystem and uh, also because that was a persistent problem for such a period uh, for such long period of time uh, the alternative to suppress this growth was um, to add toxic metals mm. uh, toxic biocides and uh, <clears throat> that um, on its own causes um, ecological problems mm-hmm. so you know that was a start and that got me really interested uh, kind of away from biology and medicine but more so on the practicality of um, how can you make um, things better people's Mm. lives better with um, materials with um, new polymers and uh, you know it's also pretty tedious it's expensive to make new materials it's a very lengthy process so um, is there a way to uh, streamline it or uh, make it a little um, make it less painful and Mm. uh, so my PhD research was focused on uh, polymer blends and Mm. not to be very uh, scientific or go into (laughs) great details here but uh, yeah uh, polymer blends and understanding uh, true nature and really mm-hmm. go into science. Mm-hmm. Um, so not so much the uh, the true application, but more uh, 
you know, a, a, a fundamental science aspe aspect of that. And uh, that would uh, change significantly mm -hmm. uh, when I started my postdoctoral training uh, with uh, Professor Grubbs. Uh, so it was 180 yeah. degree switch. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Trust me. Okay. We're going to be asking about that as well. Um, but yeah, I wanted to know actually what kind of, um, you know, what kind of technologies are really emerging or revolutionizing the space? Like if we look at protein stuff, you have yeah. protein folding. If we look at, you know, ge uh, genetics, we have CRISPR gene editing. What would you say is this? Oh my for God, the hot, what's the <laughs> hot topic? In for materials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's, um, making the synthesis more efficient and discovering materials with superior properties in that being, you know, super performance, let's say thermal stability or uh, conductivity, superconductivity, um, materials that can be used mm -hmm. in quantum computing and uh, also materials for application in biotechnology. So let's say, um, how do you successfully grow tissue? Can you uh, grow artificial meat? Can you uh, mm. uh, heal wounds faster? Mm -hmm. And uh, that all falls uh, falls under um, new materials category. So one of the challenges mm. in material science, though, is people really trying to address. There is so much happening, and uh, there's definitely an influx in research and publications and all the information that is out there. And um, uh, one like, growing and new and um, uh, 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 rapidly developing areas is materials discovery, mm -hmm. where um, how do we streamline the process of developing a new material and uh, leave this uh, paradigm of um, building the hypothesis verifying experimentally and doing multiple cycles of um, learning. How do we reduce this experimental budget and, uh, um, as I said, streamline uh, mm -hmm. the discovery process and make it faster and mm -hmm. cheaper? For new materials with um, desired properties. What is the tricky part of this process, the, the hardest thing, would you say? Well, if uh, from a human <laughs> perspective, <laughs> <laughs> really figuring out what should be the chemical structure that would provide specific properties. And mm. I think it's uniform across, um, you know, drug development, new materials development, mm -hmm. um, it's a um, uh, uh, very old question. <laughs> like, what is it? What is the structure property or structure activity relationship? And mm. I think it's it's pretty uniform. So, um, what would you say the yeah. hardest part about the challenges you faced? The hot one of the hardest challenges oh. you faced when you were like working on this topic. Um, well, it's definitely. Um, you know, figuring out that that's uh, back to back to the same um, hypothesis. Figuring out what uh, what should be the structure. So no mm. one has a crystal ball. I see. You you yeah, really yeah, don't yeah. know until you actually uh, create the material and then test mm -hmm. it. And uh, uh, sometimes this um, the synthesis or making the material is very laborious. So yeah. it takes time. So how do you make it shorter? How do you become smarter and uh, make fewer moves to get to the to the desired um, desired result? Yeah, and um, in in biology, right, we have a lot of these drug development platforms. Like yeah. they do it from a computational perspective. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a chemist, but um, I I almost get the feeling like chemistry is a lot has a is a lot more discreet than when you're predicting like the activity of a protein. Yeah. Um, wh why? What makes it hard from a computational perspective, if you know, like to predict the behaviors of these polymers? Well, uh, polymers are large molecules, um, so it's just becoming very uh, computationally expensive to uh, figure out how um, uh, the polymer would behave. And uh, unlike protein, it does not have a very uh, definitive structure, so it would mm. have a preference, some kind of random uh, folding or uh, a random movement and um, uh, just overall 
predicting the behavior of uh, a very large molecule. It's been done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is it is r- rather accurate, but it's just a massive undertaking. It takes a very, very long time. Uh, and it takes a long time to... Um, Simulated, simulated, yeah, yeah. yes, and the massive amount of uh, compute resources. Yeah. Yes. Were you more like exp- like were you more like computational? Experimental chemist. Okay, experimental so you were exper- like fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine experimentals as well. So I yeah. choose to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it gets it gets really frustrating, right? You would yeah, know yeah. working in the laboratory, and I'm sure biology is the same way. Oh, so that's why yeah. you know tenacity, <laughs> yeah. tenacity for the scientist is the biggest. When you're doing research and development, like you're. Um, success uh, the chances of success were like 10 percent. so you mm. really have to <laughs> have this on this note i really want this like it's actually yeah. not even part of the it's an open bracket question that i immediately yeah. thought of i mean is that there's always this saying that i heard i don't know who quoted i'm no, i don't know who said it but there's always the saying that an experimentalist never trusts everybody trusts an experimental experimentalist's results yeah and he doesn't trust it himself but and with computational uh experimentals like nobody trusts their results but he really trust it so the computational chemist yeah. really believes <laughs> in what it's he like, I don't know if I'm saying I totally like ruined the statement <laughs> the quote by the way the idea is that like the, the the meaning behind that quote is that with experimentalists you always have that feeling like do I trust my results yeah Did oh, you absolutely. Have that? Yes. yeah oh, absolutely well uh, there is always a healthy amount of doubt you know and uh, uh, double check and triple check and it also uh, from what I realize um, uh, you know, working with, um, collaborating with uh, various people and especially with people who are not in science. So uh, I think as a scientist, we have a sort of structure to our brain, which is slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the things you pay attention to and uh, how oh, yeah. you how you perceive the information and how you perceive the yeah. real Some world. Some people like, uh, I feel like outsiders are like, what are you thinking? Why are you even going <laughs> yeah. there? Like, why? Like, just no. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Yes, yes. All right. So kind of also on the PhD part, like for listeners excited yeah. to get into the PhD program, let's hear about like it's a competitive program. We all know that. So what, how do you think or what do you think got you into this program? Um, well, I think in my case, uh, I had a fair amount of undergraduate research mm-hmm. and uh, I also had several publications out of it. And uh, for, um, you know, for the uh, for the program, that was um, something that um, uh, people uh, looked, uh, uh, it was highly regarded and mm-hmm. uh, that was important. Um, so I think that was one of the uh, factors that um, helped me to get into the school. Okay. Get in the lab. The, follow- the, fo- the following <laughs> question would be like tips for the young kids aspiring to apply for such a program. What would it be? Yeah. Would you say? So I would, I would say it stays the same. So no one no one cancels your um, GPA or um, your GRE um, scores. And I believe it's still GRE, right? To get to grad school. I believe the, the system is still the same. Nothing has really changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so the higher your score is, the, the better are the chances. But also um, some experience um, uh Prior prior work either uh, as an undergrad undergraduate um, uh, researcher or uh, maybe some prior uh, work experience, mm. and you know that's interesting because um, uh, for some people consideration of joining a PhD program or continuing uh, uh, schooling is simply 
not being ready to separate or leave the the fun college college life and um, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> i don't think it's necessarily the best argument to stay in grad school with that said um having some work experience uh, mm. it seems like it really helps people to um, decide on what is it that they want to do, what are the limitations yeah. when you join the workforce, and uh, what would be the best way um, to leverage yourself mm -hmm. uh, later on down the line. What would you mm -hmm. say the hardest part about your PhD program? Um, may, you can you describe see, it in a sentence. Maybe. You see in general or um, uh, my personal experience? Your personal experience. <laughs> my personal experience. Yeah. Um, you know, research. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to lie here. Uh, it's it's just really challenging, especially mm -hmm. you know keeping keeping the uh, or believing that it will actually work. And uh, I think for uh, probably two years I didn't have any good results, and it's really frustrating. So it really. Um, you know, having the appropriate mindset and mm. uh, just not giving up and not being not be negative about it. But um, it's also, it's just such an amazing opportunity because um, it's, a, it's a big college. Um, you get to interact with so many people and uh, it's also college in Los Angeles, which is, um, you know, also being in a wonderful city. city. Yeah. Yes, yes, there's just so many opportunities. So I think, you know, the uh, if I would have conducted my uh, PhD somewhere in a uh, small town in Midwest, I think my experience would mm. have been very yeah. different and probably <laughs> not, as, um, not as positive. But, you know, looking back, it was just mm. um, absolutely great. And I'm, and I'm uh, really, really thankful for um, my advice who did believe and uh, uh, give me the chance to uh, be in grad school yeah mm. all right so we're moving to postdoc <laughs> it's a topic that I'm actually excited to get into with you <laughs> okay, it's, oh, it's called tech <laughs> it's like a dream school for all mechanical engineers by the way so I need to know first of all uh, what is a postdoc um. for, for the it's a weird question but some people actually don't know what it is oh so absolutely yes. yeah um, so it's an opportunity to uh, establish yourself as an independent researcher, and uh, it is a prerequisite for somebody who wants to be in academia mm. and uh, wants to be in a research-intensive institution and uh, um, have a research group of um, their own. So that was my uh, dream for quite some time, to um, join the academia and uh, be a professor. To be professor. a professor. Oh, yes. wow. I can see you being a professor, actually. <laughs> I, would, I would go to your lecture. <laughs> but we need to see some ballet, actually, also. <laughs> like, I'm like, professor, can you dance for us for a bit? <laughs> Mixing um, ballet and polymer chemistry. <laughs> oh, my that's God. That's right. an amazing mix. I would definitely go to that lecture. <laughs> it's like a Tchaikovsky <laughs> opera about polymer chemistry. With like, uh, some sleek moves. Professor yes. Victoria, it's, the ballet dancer. It's, it's, it's Swan Lake, but it's like this dark polymer and the light polymer, and they're like intertwining. Yeah, they're yes. like oh, yeah, flipping. Yeah. Well, I think you just uh, you just um, pretty much illustrated the concept of uh, polymer blends or copolymer. Yes. I mean, yeah, trademark, trademark. I'm 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 gonna write this opera. <laughs> so, would you say then with postdoc, you mm -hmm. did usually it's a path people should take. If you're going to academia, yes. What so about people going to industry? What, um, what would you say about that? Well, I would say it's not uh, it's not necessary. Um, you know, in some case, um, and uh, you know, being on the hiring um, side myself right now. By the way, if anyone is interested in joining the company, please <laughs> reach out <Ooh>. to me. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it it gives. Um, 
a recruiter uh, mm -hmm. and understand or understanding or uh, a better idea that you already have some uh, research experience which is more or less independent mm. so uh, there is an anticipation and expectation from uh, a postdoctoral scholar that they conduct their research independently mm -hmm. and uh, really pushing the program forward so it's essentially a way to uh, perfect your craft uh, oh, if you I would see. think yeah if you would think of um, uh, medical school for example mm -hmm. and um, uh, so after you fresh like out of residency. school, residency, yeah. residency, mm. exactly, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So you do need to. Um, I love have that you mentioned that because as somebody like currently in the PhD program, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of saying that. But the first year, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, in oh, research, yeah, yeah. I was like, what am I like? What is the, what is happening here? Like I was right. thrown into it with all the classes and the preliminary exam that you have to take. I. So would you say that postdoc kind of ensures your experience in research? Because now I feel more comfortable comfortable in my research capabilities after two years in a program. Oh, absolutely. So of course, of course. And then also um, it exposes you to more, uh, I would say. It gives you an opportunity to leverage what you already know and... Uh, let's say, and uh, enter um, the area that might be also of interest, mm -hmm. uh, kind of broaden your scientific expertise and experience. So let's say if uh, my expertise in uh, polymer chemistry and I'm not necessarily excited about mm -hmm. making uh, the best rubber tires for the rest mm -hmm. of my life or <laughs> the conducting mm -hmm. research in this area, but I do know fundamental polymer chemistry, so which is also very useful for, let's say, growing tissue, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, doing tissue engineering and uh, tissue restoration. Yeah. So with that said, that gives me an opportunity to learn more of a biology. Same, mm -hmm. um, you know, similar example would be uh, learning more about um, implementing machine learning and AI mm -hmm. into polymer chemistry as uh, a postdoc in uh, a group that, for example, does it. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I think it does make you a better mm -hmm. researcher. Oh, it absolutely. It enhances yes. your research capability. That's well, beautiful. and also, you know, I would say it's <laughs> it's definitely very, very beneficial, and mm -hmm. uh, I would say it's almost unavoidable uh, for path in academia. So you do have to have a postdoc. Um, mm. But uh, for you know industrial experience, or if you're still trying to decide um, where you want to be or uh, expand mm -hmm. your skills, your skill set, um, that's definitely. Uh, uh, Some, somebody that yeah. picked an Ivy League for their postdoc, would you yeah. think that's important or was it just like it's in the area, it's a beautiful school to be in, so <laughs> why not? Or is it like, no, I should go do my postdoc in an Ivy? Um, no, I was, uh, <laughs> I was certain that I want to be in academia. And uh, I, as you said, Caltech is a dream school and uh, um, the best the best experience I could you know, it's definitely the highlight. Um, I really, really enjoyed being there. Mm. Um, Do you believe that's a that's something we we always talk about between me and my peers? Mm -hmm, Do you mm -hmm. think the name of the school matters yes. when you're a researcher? Big time. Big wow, time. that's a and very strong yeah. statement. <laughs> because some people are arguing that, Victoria. Some people in well, research, they're like, nope, it's not about your school. What would you say to those? It's about what you do. What's your work in your program? Well, um, you know, people... <laughs> But uh, again, you're, you're, the, you're experienced more. We're, we're here to listen from you, so don't. Um, so I would say, uh, the, unless there's a, a drastic change in paradigm, uh, it's kind of, um, 
you know, mindset right now because if you get into a better school, that's pretty much a filter, mm. you know, showing either you work really hard um, to get your SATs or uh, there is some kind of special quality to you that uh, for, for which you get accepted into mm. um, a good school, right? It simply shows yeah. that you're probably a hardworking person, you're well-rounded, you're well-educated, you have some merit to you. Mm. And uh, uh, so when it comes to postdoctoral education, that's, uh, that's absolutely... Uh, um, you, you don't want to do postdoc in the school which is uh, ranked below or at the same level as you did your mm. PhD. You always want to um, uh, go up or uh, uh, work for work in a professor's group, uh, which is highly um, regarded in the field. I so see. I, would say. I see. These are these are the considerations. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, is. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it comes with some kind of prejudice almost, right? Mm. Like <laughs> there's, uh, there's a, a, a stereotype, but um, I mean, if it helps, if it helps you to move your career. And uh, I think something is considered a good school or a, grou a good research group for a reason, right? Mm. Because uh, there's a precedence of uh, producing great results or yeah. producing great researchers. I mean, uh, I think it also depends. I mean, the reputation of schools obviously precedes themselves, right. but... I think specifically with Caltech, mm -hmm. it's that they, you know, we've obviously had these like college admission scandals yeah. and things like that, where Caltech is like pretty much immune to it. Like there's <laughs> no, you're not going to buy your way into Caltech. Let's no, just put it no. that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's mm. acceptance, acceptance rate as of um, 2020 was... Five percent. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a dream school. I'll just say that because a lot of places have like mm. legacy admission yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. But Caltech is, you know, it's like you're not. Well, and then why would you want to? Well, so this is this is a different question. Why would you want to uh, be there? Because unless you're really passionate and uh, very excited about mm. science, you know, in this like weirdness that comes with um, this environment, because. I wouldn't again. I, I can't. I can't really speak uh, from the undergraduate undergraduate student perspective, but I don't think it's necessarily known as a party school. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. if you if you want to be there, you want to be there for a reason. Yeah. All right. So it's kind of a weird phrase that I'm going to be throwing in, but I like to use it personally. So in Go academia with my peers, I always say like, oh, I'm so ready to enter the real world, the real world. That's what I call <laughs> the outside world of the campus. So I don't know if you guys used to say that when you're doing your PhD, but you've done your PhD, you got your postdoc. It's a, it's a lot. It's a dedication and long period of time. So when did you realize that, OK, I'm ready now to enter the real world. I'm ready for a job. <laughs> I like, love that word. I call it. That's my, I don't know why it makes sense in my head. But <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I don't think I'm a <laughs> like, well, it could be chance or destiny. Some people could say like, oh, I was lucky. Somebody approached me that the job falls under my yeah, vision yeah. and I got it and I was ready. To and, and then well, enter real world, you know. I I joined IBM Research, so I did um, I did round, well actually two rounds of academic interviews. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I got what, two offers, mm. and uh, I've you know looking back or thinking about it, thinking about the uh, prospect, um, I just thought that I'm better off. I'm better off. Um, uh, being in industry, but mm. uh, I never really wanted to shut the door uh, with academia, so that that is why I joined IBM Research, mm. which is known for excellence in um, research and uh, has six, seven Nobel laureates at this point. Wow, that's coming, oh, that's um, yeah, from um, IBM Research, and it's very much 
I think it's probably one of the last um, industrial research laboratories which has um, enormous legacy and uh, exciting discoveries. And also quite a few people from IBM Research joined um, Academic Pool later mm. on. So after several years uh, being in industry and uh, seeing what is really relevant, what really uh, the, the area of research which is relevant, which is really mm -hmm. moving the needle. And uh, uh, they joined academia and uh, uh, very successful professors. Mm. So uh, that was one of the considerations as I was um, thinking about it. And uh, maybe I was not, um, you know, my, 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 my resume and uh, research experience wasn't exciting enough for the schools where I wanted to be. So I decided to buff it up, <laughs> <laughs> build yeah. it up uh, while being at IBM, which was um, absolutely fantastic experience. Yeah. Uh, very... Uh, um, uh, very, I would say, educational from every aspect. Uh, uh, very insightful on uh, what really matters, how mm. initial discovery makes it to, as you said, the real world, you know, something that will uh, benefit consumer yeah. or benefit an enterprise. So can I, can I like summarize it in a way that you say it's all about being, can I say that, oh, who, like it's about the opportunity that kind of arises in your path. Then it's like a signal that, okay, I'm ready to enter <sighs> and then pursue versus no. Well, because um, honestly, like it's like I what I see in your story is that yeah. you had this amazing build of like expertise in like research, going to USC, followed by Caltech, and then IBM reach uh, reaches out to you. So maybe to an extent that is like the signal that okay, <laughs> I think this is how I'm gonna exit. Um, or well, no, you were ready <laughs> mentally. You're like, no, I'm ready to work right now. Well. It's, um, a couple, couple places. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a couple options um, in terms of job offer, um, but uh, so with IBM because I, uh, I didn't want to give up, and uh, uh, who knows, maybe in the future, uh, we'll join academia. But I didn't want to completely shut the door, um, and uh, still wanted to conduct fundamental research, mm -hmm. which is very important for somebody who wants to be in academia at some point. So yeah. you do, you do have to maintain the ties. So that is why uh, I joined IBM Research. So mm -hmm. I would, I would say it's uh, semi real world, you know, mm -hmm. not. Quite real world, oh, semi real wow. I, world. Actually, I was thinking that <laughs> yeah. in my head. I was literally <laughs> thinking that. So yeah, I love makes how, sense. Yeah. I love how you picked like the basically the only <laughs> company and the only industrial research lab that's basically yeah. almost still like being in yes, academia, but, but actually, I'm in industry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting. Very, better. Yeah, very sneaky. <laughs> it's much better. Underline that. Yes. <laughs> oh, hey, you get in, you get all kinds of benefits, but you know, yeah. uh, there is a end to the uh, to every story, and uh, so at some point you. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. make a decision what is it that you want to yeah. do and uh, sometimes uh, you know circumstances kind of lead to that so um, uh, transitioning from IBM uh, the the biggest trigger for me was that uh, last year there was this massive uh, fire in Northern California and uh, my house almost burned down oh, wow. and uh, in in parallel I had a chance to um, um, meet this very influential very charismatic uh, uh, absolutely uh, uh, amazing um, human being who is a CEO, CEO of Lollywood, um C. Mm. Briganti mm. and uh, uh, we had conversations about the extent of climate change and what is happening and how bad um, it's, um, it's progressing mm -hmm. and uh, so that was one of the triggers for me to um, you know, use my um, knowledge and um, all this experience that I accumulated and uh, actually put it to something useful. Yeah. The, so the, tr the true transition to the real world. And uh, I got to say, um, uh, being almost a year with the company and uh, uh, doing something which is, you know, being produced and produced on sca at scale, 
Um, so this is really <laughs> the real world. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Like the things that really matter yeah. uh, when when we're actually talking about um, you know putting uh, having a product on the market mm. and uh, making it uh, more or less profitable or uh, competitive. So something that you do not really account for in um, being in academia or doing even doing industrial research. Mm. Uh, and uh, that is why there are so many exciting discoveries. Like you see publications every day, right? They mm -hmm. come out with like hundreds, thousands a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, a very few of them make it to a commercialization stage because yeah. there is such a massive gap in between what the reality is and uh, what you can do in uh, the, Disney, the, the science Disneyland. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of like always interested in this asking a researcher that had a very progressive path with this interesting concept is that what would you, how would you describe people that are in research pursuing their PhD and are always talking about suffering and depression? <sighs> we read about it in articles yeah. and, but then we're bringing, we're, we're highlighting amazing people with the fancy lab coat guild and we're kind of, that's why we want to, it's important for us to talk about the, the dark side of research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why do you think we see that? Like what, what, what can you describe that causes suffering and depression in research? Well, um, good question. Well, maybe the fact that it is, um, it is a very challenging task, right? You've mm. got to be very lucky if uh, you get to publish a lot and, uh, um, it's almost like the stars have to align and then, um, you know, some people manage to, uh, be very successful just by, um, uh, I don't know, serendipity in a way where, you know, the reaction just worked out mm -hmm. and, uh, they got lucky. And, uh, I, I, I know that luck always comes with effort. So you had to be smart enough to recognize it, but you know, in some instances it really is, um, just how lucky mm -hmm. you are. Um, so with that said, um, I, that I, is a sign of humbleness, by the way. <laughs> they always say when you sit with a successful person and he brings luck into it, <laughs> instead of saying, no, it's all me, it's a sign of being modest and humble. So well, again, we'll give you luck, that, Victoria. <laughs> luck comes with effort. And I know? love your answer because I actually agree with you. I, I had this huge discussion and debate yeah. with my one of my closest friends about that. And mm -hmm. he has this like, uh, post uh, uh, sorry, like uh, podcast about yeah. uh, entrepreneurs, right, right? And some entrepreneurs, when you talk to them, they say it's I actually was lucky. Yeah. And then some entrepreneurs that are very successful are like, nope, it's purely hard work. Right, so right. who do you believe? <laughs> uh, like you see, so well, I think it's a combination of both. You know, mm -hmm. um, so if. Um, <laughs> There are some sad examples where somebody is just grinding and grinding, grinding, and uh, it just never works out. But then, um, you know, at some point, I guess um, maybe it's a, maybe it's a nature or in the sci yeah. scientist nature to be very, very um, tenacious and kind of stubborn, mm -hmm. so that um, almost uh, you know gets in the way of seeing the big picture and mm -hmm. uh, getting a better perspective on. Well, maybe. I need to stop, <laughs> take a breather, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, reevaluate the situation. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it might become very. I mean, I can definitely remember it feeling very myopic because yeah. the the lab environment that you're yes. in is very isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have your few colleagues. There's not really many people to relate to on your oh, absolutely in yeah. your mm -hmm. sector, and you're alone all the time. And the problems are so complex yes. and. Yeah. You're just and 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 you can just become more and more narrow-minded into it, and it, you're just sucked mm. into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm nodding. I'm <laughs> nodding. Yes, very much. So yes, this is very true. Uh, it yeah. is. It is in a way uh, kind of favors. You know this. 
um, individualism and mm. uh, really being by yourself and pushing um, on your own. And um, um, I think it also kind of shapes our scientific environment and uh, how science is conducted and what's considered to be successful. Mm. So the credit is always attributed to one person, yeah. you know, and like in a way that's, that's, that's where it is. What <laughs> would your advice be for people being overwhelmed in this position? Well, um, I think there is increasing awareness of um, mental health challenges, and uh, uh, it's uh, there is still a bit of a stigma, but mm. um, I think it's uh, uh, getting better in terms of uh, being more compassionate if somebody is having a hard time. Uh, uh, so probably just um, taking a break and just being kind to yourself. Mm. Uh, I feel like oh, yeah, no, I not that. quite sincere. I, like I yeah. never really practiced that. <laughs> oh, I'm very harsh with myself. I told you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think this is, um, um, you know, and also being outside of the uh, like true hardcore research environment. So um, I see that it's actually quite beneficial. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, being, uh, so as I said, being in a different environment now, you see that uh, taking care of yourself, take, taking care of your mental health, uh, being kind to yourself really pays mm. off. Would you, on that note, I just kind of, yeah. I'm curious to know, would you describe yourself as a perfectionist? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, you have to be, <laughs> you have to be as a scientist. And and do you think Mueller. that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, well, you know, there's a <laughs> saying that let's not, um, whatever, perfect be the enemy, enemy of the good, right? Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, you just Guy has an interesting approach about this. We <laughs> talk about it. I like, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, uh, I also believe a little bit in like an 80-20 rule. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I love his concept so, about like that. The, there's a lot of diminishing returns in getting it to that perfect form. Oh, absolutely, form. yes. Mm -hmm. yes, like, yes. Like something simple. Because like, I'm a perfectionist, say, sorry, but yeah, we always talk about it as well. Yeah, Yeah, like let's say you're in school and you're trying to get whatever, good grades. Right, like, right. Would you rather that you can just spend an hour, do the basics and get an 80% or you have to spend weeks studying just to get a 90 percent for what for what purpose it's like no i have other things to spend my time on so there's like an efficiency to how you're expending your, yeah I, uh, I was that student <laughs> weeks of studying for that like 90 above 90 percent no I'm, I would feel I, I'm like annoyed if i don't get that so. i'm the opposite yeah. i'm like well, yeah, I understand it, and I can write the exam now, and I don't want to spend... Let's maximize it. Yeah, yeah I'm like... I, I, I call this efficiency. I, I really like your approach, actually. I, if I, I mean, I did time. my undergrad working mostly in labs. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't have time to study. I'm just... What's bare minimum? Like, I just <laughs> yeah. got to get it out, <laughs> you know? All right, so speaking, on, speaking about it on an institutional level, how would yeah. you improve, uh, like, the, what's happening? Like, we... Like to to like eliminate the depression and the the individualistic aspect that you were telling us about. Whoa, <laughs> that's a loaded mm -hmm. question. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can answer this sincerely because <laughs> to put you in trouble. <laughs> uh, well, you know, um, especially when we it comes can beep to some of them. So don't worry, <laughs> you can tell us to beep. <laughs> um, especially when it comes to I think chemistry community, um, it is. You know, things have been done certain way for a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, from uh, maybe there is a reason to that. Mm. <laughs> maybe there is a justification. Why is it this way, not the other? And uh, I can't I can really comment if it's the most um, efficient way or the best way because there is really no alternative. Yeah. So when it comes to, um, you know, the whole academic structure, I think people um, have been complaining about it for a very long time that mm. it is broken. But, uh, you know, just criticizing something without proposing um, an alternative, it's probably I'm not a, the I'm best a way. Like, I love solutions. That's why I 
immediately were like, okay, yeah. how can we fix it? What well, can we do? Good question. Um, if like, I will get back to you when I, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Sorry, yeah, I mean, pay researchers more. Like mm, maybe a lot of the depression comes from the fact that like <laughs> you're struggling you, and you're also poor. <laughs> yeah, yes. like like can we just rem maybe struggle is fine. Let's not add let's not add poor so that I'm dealing with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> like, uh, All right. So end on a positive note about education. Who like who do you think is the next Einstein? And there's an Einstein in your eyes. <laughs> next Einstein, Einstein, you you ask him. You Could soliciting be Victoria. The you can say your name as well. You soliciting nomination or uh, like, like a who, particular who is, person? Yeah, or just like, like, like or you, describe him. Yeah, do you think that yeah. even exists? Yes. Like, do you think that in today's world, maybe there was a time in history where this Einsteinian, meaning that like yeah. kind of lone wolf scientist. Yeah that just, you know, breakthroughs, everything existed. Do you think that that exists now or are problems just, uh, they, you know, require these huge complex team solutions and it probably most likely is not one. Yeah, I think this, um, you know, lonely cowboy kind of <laughs> approach um, mm. is dissipating because it's becoming harder, right? Mm. It's becoming more involved and more complex and uh, science is definitely much more interconnected now. So it's not uh, one isolated example. But um, <clears throat> even with that said, you know, you uh, get nominations for Nobel laureates um, every year and... Uh, uh, <laughs> you choose, <laughs> make, <Yeah>. make your choice. <laughs> I'm sure all of them are, um, well, you know, for quite a few people, it's really well deserved and it's truly uh, for the mer merit and uh, excellence and uh, the, the brilliance and hard work and uh, everything that goes in there. But, you know, with that said, uh, I think uh, a lot of people would admit that um, Nobel Prize is also quite um, political. What mm, about all their yeah. postdocs and their <laughs> PhD students and uh, all their well, research <laughs> tags? <laughs> I know. Um, well, I think it's very hard to uh, really establish yourself as... Um, uh, you know, uh, being scientific, uh, uh, established scientific excellence uh, if you're outside of academia. So mm. uh, very challenging to do this uh, in industry. Or uh, I guess if, if you're this brilliant entrepreneur, then uh, you're more appreciated for your business creativity rather than this amazing you know, scientific discovery. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think in this case, it would be a combination of the two. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to go back um, back to IBM and I wanted to ask, what is, so you're a master inventor. Uh, yeah. What is that? <laughs> it just sounds really fancy <laughs> and so cool. so cool, but we were like, what is it though? Yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, is, it? what um, is that? Um, so IBM um, holds for, I believe like last 20 years, um, holds the highest number of patents um, in mm. the world as a company, oh, like wow. issued to the company. And uh, uh, the only reason they, ha they have that is because um, companies very much focused on um, fun fundamental scientific innovation and also uh, have a very expensive um, IP portfolio, which could also be sold later mm. on. And uh, so it's very much, um, you know, in the DNA of uh, people who work at IBM to um, <laughs> put the discovery and uh, uh, create a patent. Um, so what it is, uh, it's a title which is given to an individual who um, has over 25 patent patent applications. So some of them have to be issued. Um, and uh, um, also the person who is actively uh, working in um, um, uh, working with peers and uh, uh, doing outreach, uh, educating peers on uh, what it takes to uh, write a patent. Uh, what it takes to convert a scientific discovery or any kind of discovery into a patent, um, and uh, yeah, just being proactive in the field. In, in the field. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the other um, 
you know, and we had talked about this before um, in different conversations, like obviously you've worked in super male dominated fields. You know, you're probably most likely the only woman in the room in most cases. Um, What did that what did that feel like? What kind of personality traits like allowed you to thrive in that environment and deal with that? (laughs) Oh, good question. Um, I don't think I had very... uh, you know, specific personality traits uh, before I joined IBM. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the process, um, I just learned that I have to speak up. And um, um, even though it's it's hard because you're in a room with somebody who is very established, or multiple people who are very established and highly regarded um, in, the, in the area, uh, you still have to voice your opinion. And uh, so that's the, <laughs> the, the character trait that I kind of had to work on and uh, develop. I guess what do you, uh, this one's a fun question. What do you want people to know about women in the industry? Um, so um, very talented, very hardworking, um, mm. and uh, not necessarily vocal. Um, mm. And um, uh, so I think that that should change. But um, there's also a question, maybe it's just in a female nature, you know, to be um, a bit more humble and uh, until everything is perfect, uh, until you know and make sure that everything is perfect, only then you speak up. So, yeah, if you, if you were to tell like some young girls who are scientists right now, what would be three tips to overcome some of these barriers or, you know, yeah, guns um, blazing? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite exactly as you said, so guns blazing and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, find your voice. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for advice. Uh, solicit as many as you can. Um, uh, definitely uh, create um, a network. Uh, create connections, and um, uh, yeah, don't uh, don't 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 be afraid to speak up. I think that's probably the main one. Mm. I mean, yeah, you're, there's a lot of voices in the room, so you got oh, you <laughs> gotta, <laughs> you gotta really speak out. loud. Yes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think really beautiful. So let's go into, um, yeah. So what is Lollyware? What are you doing? What are you doing with Lollyware? You know, we know a little bit about what it is from the introduction, but yeah. for the listeners, why don't you elucidate a we bit have this on this? We have the actually also, but yes. I wish the <laughs> listeners can see this. They're so cool. Yes. These, and what, if you can elucidate on this really amazing transformative business that you're working on, how did the idea come um, about, et cetera? Well, the idea came um, from uh, like really dreadful situation that humanity is in, um, that we created a lot of pollution. And uh, so now we have to deal with that and uh, how to mitigate the climate change, how to slow down this um, unavoidable uh, catastrophe or prevent it. Um, so uh, I, I have a lot of appreciation for polymer chemistry and uh, for all the discoveries and developments. And of course, one of the greatest ones is uh, plastic, which is uh, has amazing properties. You know, it's lightweight, it's very inert, it's very stable. Um, you can process it very easily. Uh, the disadvantage, and before it was advantage, now it's disadvantage and primarily comes from our own behavior, is that uh, it sticks around for hundreds and hundreds of years so it accumulates and when it starts decaying and degrading um it uh, doesn't do anything good for the planet so with that said uh we're not going to or it would be very difficult to change the ways we um operate the way we live and uh so the question is can we find a replacement to plastic um lolliware's vision is that uh we we can 
and uh, the replacement will come not from uh, petroleum, not from mm -hmm. um, oil, but it would come from a regenerative resource, um, something that grows on its own, does not require any assistance and uh, any kind of attention from um, farmers. Uh, mm -hmm. So it doesn't require fertilizers, doesn't require um, fresh water, which is also a scarce resource, for example, yeah. in California, where we're at right now. Um, and uh, so this, this resource is seaweed. Mm. Uh, I would say really overlooked <laughs> um, uh, natural resource. And uh, in addition to this humble nature of the, of the plant that it doesn't really require any attention, uh, <laughs> it also mm. sequesters um, a lot of carbon dioxide, which is something that we really need right now. So there's mm. um, enormous amount of pollution. So with that, uh, it looks like a dream material. Um, and uh, uh, the only challenge is um, how do you take this material? How do you take the seaweed? How do you take uh, the, uh, um, the valuable uh, biopolymers that are in seaweed and process them uh, and uh, convert them into um, items that we use every day, uh, disposable items? So the vision um, was to um, uh, work on uh, chemistry aspect of seaweed and uh, uh, make sure that all these extracts, all these biopolymers that are obtained from seaweed can be processed on um, existing infrastructure, something that plastic has been, uh, mm -hmm. uh, polymer industry, plastic industry has been using in the last um, 100 years or 50 years or so, and uh, without changing anything, replacing plastic resin with um, seaweed-derived resin. So that's mm -hmm. the vision, and mm -hmm. uh, as of, um, <laughs> I would say, as of last week, we've uh, um, definitely showed that uh, it is a reality, so we can use very old, uh, worn-out, mm. <laughs> uh, conventional uh, plastic processing lines and uh, um, use the resin and create uh, the same items. But instead of uh, plastic, you can make them of seaweed. Oh. Yeah, like Ali was saying, we're holding some of the straws right now. And um, honestly, I hate paper straws. Like <laughs> I agree. This is like, <laughs> this is so sturdy. It's like, a, it feels almost... Almost like it could be metal. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's really very hard. strong. I was not expecting Victoria. that. But you so. can you can bend it. It's also very oh, yeah, flexible. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. you can actually bend it. If you don't like straight straws, you know you can bend the top. So <laughs> yeah. it, so you have to you know oh, strain your mouth. Oh, that's all right. You can squish it. <laughs> that's really um, yeah. cool. Yeah. That's no, really what different. happens if you eat it though? Um, really nothing. It is it's biodegradable. Yeah, it is biodegradable. All, yeah. Um, yes, all ingredients so are it's edible, guys. It you is, can well, eat don't it. don't eat too much of it. it. <laughs> well, we do not we do not advertise um, for it to be really edible. But if you want yeah, to, yeah, uh, you're welcome to. Um, it's uh, all the all ingredients, all ingredients in the formulation uh, in the material itself are FDA mm. approved, so it's very safe to eat. And uh, yeah. uh, my uh, that's good for kids. <laughs> like, oh. Well, you know, kids, and then uh, my dog absolutely uh, <laughs> admires them. So it's like the best treat possible. He likes to play with them, chew them, and then eat them. And uh, nothing really happened to him. Uh, he has a sensitive tummy, but uh, yeah, you know, that's a good test. As, uh, yeah. yeah, as the owner <laughs> and the one who has to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the like in working with these kind of biological yes. materials? What uh -huh. are some of the uh, specific uh, challenges with? like that you've experienced at work or? Um. Uh, well, these materials, now, now we're really going into uh, science. <laughs> um, it's a naturally derived material. So it's like pretty much like the flesh of the seaweed. Mm. Uh, seaweed lives in water, it is mm -hmm. hydrophilic. And uh, we're trying to replace plastic, which is very hydrophobic. Mm -hmm. So hydrophilic, it really pulls in water. It really likes water. Hydrophobic doesn't like water. So plastic does not like water. That's why you can have a plastic bottle, uh, a plastic cup, 
um, you can use it as a, um, a dineware, kitchenware. Mm -hmm. um, so for the hydrophilic material, that would be quite challenging because a lot of our food contains water. So it would be absorbing in the process and uh, as a result, degrading slowly. So the, the biggest challenge and the biggest trick uh, to um, alter the nature of this biopolymer and turn it into something that mm. behaves like plastic. Wow, yeah. yeah. So, so basically, just to summarize it, so this is still hydrophilic. It is hydrophilic, okay, yes. But yes, in a way. Of course, it takes time. Like, yeah, to, okay, because you can see so that. It's so it's the hydrophilic yeah. nature in disguise. Let's put it this way. <laughs> with, with the paper straws, I mean, they disintegrate too yeah, fast. Yeah, I was just going to say, with paper, like literally while drinking your drink, and yeah. it's a medium size, not even a large, you're like, oh, it's actually melting now. Like, it's, like, it's part <laughs> of the drink. So yeah. this feels well, more durable, which is really cool. Oh, well, it's definitely durable. So you will, um, in use, and hopefully um, a lot of people will be able to try it. Uh, we have... Um, we are in conversations with uh, uh, a small coffee shop in the Pacific mm. Northwest that uh, mm -hmm. took over the company, uh, took, took over the country. Um, so we'll see. So maybe it mm. will be um, readily available in your Super cool. To the baristas listening, please contact Victoria. <laughs> baristas, anyone listening? She gives uh, you straws. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, you know, after working at, you know, IBM, a large company, working yeah. in academia, working at a startup now, yeah. what are the advantages of working at a startup that you didn't get to feel at IBM and, oh. and vice versa? <laughs> oh, I oh love my that gosh. question. I'm excited to hear that answer. Yeah, well, that's been a pretty wild ride, I gotta say. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Truly, <laughs> welcome to the land of humility. <laughs> I put it this way, you know, like all this, uh, the, the things that you thought you knew, uh, no, you really don't. Mm. Uh, and uh, also constantly asking for help, asking for advice and learning so much. So the biggest difference is that you have, you, and I'm sure that sounds really, uh, you know, like a beat up answer. Everybody would tell you that, but really it's true in the startup, uh, you get to do so much. Uh, mm. You wear many different hats and, uh, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about the business, about science, interaction with clients, uh, raising money, you name it. I don't know, scraping <laughs> floors. Uh, you, you do it all. And, um, y you know, for some people, that's very exciting. For other people, just based on uh, the very nature and the character, that's not going to be it. Mm. So uh, for me, I guess um, I, uh, I was a little uncomfortable. Um, because uh, like being at the startup, I guess never never really uh, crossed my mind before. But uh, uh, I guess I wouldn't have made this choice if not for mm. um, uh, C uh, for the for the CEO of the company. Uh, yeah, so culture. charismatic, charismatic. Yes, and it's I, and I believe the startup is really uh, Lollywood is very different from um, your typical startup. So there's of course there's grind, uh, there is uh, struggle, and uh, uh, sometimes things don't work out. But it's just a very different mindset. Um, you know, it's a uh, a group of um, individuals who are loving, supportive, understanding, and uh, absolutely wonderful to you, uh, very accepting, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, absolutely wonderful to be around. So very different mindset, and uh, experience was fantastic so far. Yeah, I think I think that goes into the next thing. And I don't know about your experience at IBM, but um, obviously right now you're a CTO. What is it like to be um, to be a leader or in some cases a mentor if you've had those opportunities at IBM or yeah. throughout academia what what kind of leader are you what makes a good leader you know everyone has their you know strengths and weaknesses mm -hmm. and oh absolutely um, 
Well, <laughs> to summarize the life, it's very busy. <laughs> and uh, for me personally, it's been um, a lot of traveling, even though uh, the travel is somewhat restricted right now or coming back to normal, but it's been a lot of traveling, um, considering that we have a research and development side, but we also have uh, a production side. Mm. And uh, uh, producing in the Bay Area in California <laughs> doesn't really make that much sense <laughs> per square foot, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that just becomes uh, prohibitively expensive and also, um, you know, a significant amount of um, CapEx, which is mm. already there. So we, w the, the whole notion of the company is to um, minimize the footprint, you know, not overconsume. And uh, uh, it's a known fact right now that um, all the plastic converters have quite a few idle assets mm. already sitting and waiting mm. to uh, collect in dust. So mm. if we can use them, if we can use what's already there instead of building new machinery and uh, mm. using more electricity, using more uh, I don't know, metal, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you name it. Um, so, and as Mandarin goes, um, I think it's... Um, I, I don't know if it's really all that different between um, startup and a big company or academia. Um, maybe just the amount of interaction and the time that you have to um, interact with um, your reports um, is different. Um, I'm sure in a big company, if you uh, at the C-suite, probably never get to talk to um, somebody who is um, on the delivery side of things. Uh, but... Um, uh, it's always about understanding what um, gets the person excited. Like, what is it that drives them, what motivates them? And, you know, there is no wrong answer. Somebody just excited because they see the mission. Mm -hmm. Somebody's excited because, um, specifically for startup, that it could be a large exit and uh, um, a significant money generating opportunity for somebody it's owning the product and for mm -hmm. somebody is, um, you know, just <laughs> experiencing that because they don't know any better or because they don't, don't have any other opportu well, opportunity or any other um, option at the moment. So, of course, we don't want people mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> we want mm. people with person and conviction. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, so just in this, as an example, and uh, uh, for me personally, uh, it's really important to have this, um, I don't want to... I don't want to sound cheesy and uh, call it a connection, but just understanding and, uh, um, you know, a friendship with mm. um, your team and uh, know them not only as uh, a person who uh, works with you, but um, know them um, as uh, a friend, mm. uh, understanding cool what, 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 what is it that they like? What is so it as that a boss, be their yeah. friend. Well, yeah, you know. Don't scare them. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, uh, well, absolutely. And then, but uh, what if they abuse that? What would you do? <laughs> well, I think that the, fire. And this is, <laughs> there's there's an art, you know. You have to like it's a it's I a love respectful like, friendship. Yeah, 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 I love that. <laughs> you know, though. within yeah. uh, with the, with some boundaries, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's just you know being very kind and. Uh, Oh my God. treat people the same way you want to be treated. I think that's yeah, as easy as that. There's really no yeah. trick to it. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, it's difficult to um, uh, be motivated. Mm -hmm. But um, again, if you have this uh, very personal connection with somebody and uh, uh, just guide and uh, understanding, like, what, what, what is it? Like, why mm -hmm. uh, the performance is not on par? Like, is it mm -hmm. because there is not enough information or you're not motivated enough? Like, yeah. how can, what could be the motivation what, for you? What so, personality mm -hmm. traits you'd never want to have as a leader? To end uh, for, for, me, for me, for myself, or yeah. in, you in personally. my... You um, personally. 
you're like, I don't want to be that leader, type of leader, like, or have that personality trait. Oh, uh, <laughs> trying to think of all the, <laughs> <laughs> all of the many yeah. things. Um, well, you know, probably uh, definitely not a dictator. So <laughs> somebody who is blinded by their own ego, you know, um, as uh, um, experience in different environments. So it's very. Mm. Um, Pride uh, comes before the fall. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. So uh, always, always have, you know, always be humble. Um, that you can learn and uh, like you don't know it all and uh, yeah you, you're not always right mm -hmm. <laughs> so and I think that's um, well at least in in my experience um, I've seen this before in uh, in leaders and uh, I don't think that's a uh, that makes a successful mm, successful yeah. leader yeah uh. I think t teaching and guiding people is hard and also it's kind of like being a parent for some children um, laissez-faire works very well, yeah. complete autonomy. Other children, um, act in some cases, like even micromanagement. Oh, because absolutely, not, yes. not everyone is, it's not always autonomy or absolute micromanagement. Different people thrive yeah. better under different conditions. Well, mm -hmm. and that's why you get to know them, right? You get to yeah. know them on a the personal level uh, to understand like where, where are they at and mm -hmm. what is needed mm -hmm. uh, and uh, how can they succeed? What would be the environment for them to really mm -hmm. thrive? Um, so I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, the right environment, you know, <laughs> like like microbes. 42 degrees Celsius, <laughs> yummy medium for them to grow in. <laughs> you know. well, that's a perfect analogy. But then, <laughs> but then you would agree that uh, different microbes would require different media, right? Like somebody likes a little bit more iron. Somebody likes mm. a little bit more sugar. Or blood. Or, yeah. or, or blood. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so kind of back to the, um, I always like to kind of throw this question out, um, especially as a, as a chemist, I think you might resonate very well with this. Um, what do you think about the um, current patent system? At least my, uh, the way I see chemistry is it actually fits very well in line with it because mm -hmm. you can patent the method of synthesis, yeah, but, yeah. but you don't necessarily patent like the, the molecule itself. I mean, you can't, the, or, or is that how it, well, I would say um, <laughs> uh, probably the uh, if we're talking about the value, um, it's um, the opposite. So you would want to patent mm. the molecule uh, as a composition of matter. So it's an mm -hmm. actual term. Mm -hmm. And uh, method is, um, you know, it could be easily uh, altered. And it's, it's becoming very difficult to um, protect, uh, like using the patent language, mm. uh, protect... Uh, specific method so uh, composition of matter chemical matter is definitely uh, a much more robust patent so and uh, as um, you know what I, what I think about the current system um, y you know it's frustrating and I think it's uh, uh, an amazing way for uh, the system to generate a lot of money <laughs> mm. and uh, hopefully this could be changed uh, again, um, I don't want to just make statements. I really don't have a solution uh, and uh, how this could be different. But, uh, uh, but to break it, is, it down, to understand yeah. it. So because you're saying that you're not, you don't think it's valid to patent the composition. No, no, no. Uh, composition is actually... Uh, you think it's valid, but you just don't like the system or... Um, so type, we would... Uh, <laughs> Uh, too much, uh, too, 
too much information here. So no, uh, first yeah, of all, yeah. we love two, to listen. So. Uh, two types of patterns, or at least in chemistry, you know, the typical mm-hmm. one is um, the composition of matter, which would be like your precious molecule. Mm-hmm. So let's say a molecule of Taxol. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been patented, or any of the drug that comes yeah. out in the market, it's it's protected by patent. So any other company cannot uh, rip it off and uh, start mm-hmm. making it. Um, so, but the actual chemical structure is protected, and uh, all possible um, iterations to this mm-hmm. chemical structure are also protected. So, the method there could be multiple methods. Uh, they are also protected mm. as well. So, you can't protect the method. Oh, but absolutely, you're just saying it's yes. hard. So, they're both there, but one is harder than the other. Well, extent. harder in a sense. Because uh, one can argue like, oh, I changed this type yeah. step, and then that's it. You can't. I see your point. It's yeah. it's harder to defend. Uh, yeah, let's put it this yeah. way. So, if somebody starts making. Um, uh, the same type of molecule, but using a different process, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it would be difficult to um, uh, uh, state uh, patent infringement because, mm. you know, small modification might uh, so, really... So where are you upset? Uh, where are you, like, not happy with? Because you said, I'm not happy with it. Where is uh, it? With, the, with the overall system, um, you know, first of all, it's really lengthy, which is understandable because... Mm. Uh, Pardon my French. There is quite a bit of garbage out there, right? like <laughs> something that <laughs> really <laughs> does not doesn't have much value. Uh, so that's one. Second, um, it's lengthy and it's expensive. So every every action from the patent office um, costs you money, and uh, you know it's great for the system, great for um, industry, for <laughs> low industry. Yeah, <laughs> it's great, it's greater, but um, uh, definitely doesn't help. Uh, companies, for example, mm. right, especially small companies, and uh, um, yeah, patent fees are pretty high. Um, yeah, there, there's kind of like a, and and I just want to provide the analogy so that it makes a little bit of sense. Um, like in biology, right, it can be very like, and and because you're working with biomaterials yeah, yeah. to an extent, like it it becomes a really ethical and bizarre question on like what you can patent in biology because oh, it absolutely. already kind of pre-exists. Exactly. Whereas chemistry yes. is like a, a level of synthesis. Yeah. But in this case, like let's say, you know, you're working with seaweed, but yeah. but seaweed is what it is. You, right, you cannot right, right. Sim- you cannot patent what the seaweed is because <laughs> yeah. it's it's a fact of it's reality. It's already there. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yes. You cannot patent that. Uh, <laughs> for sure. So um yeah, there. I'm. I'm not. I'm not um, degrading the value or diminishing mm. the value of the uh, the method and patenting the method. It's just a, a you know, a precaution that these are um, uh, pretty hard to defend, mm. uh, pretty hard to argue in court, <laughs> if if need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the because uh, we were talking with um, Lewis a few episodes ago, and yeah. he really liked the concept of having. Where if you have an open patent system, right, let's right. say, then you really get this kind of free market approach with it, right. where people are all optimizing how they're manufacturing and trying mm-hmm. to beat out each other, versus having this kind of monopolistic defensibility of something that, you know, especially in biology, you can really see it there, where it's so nebulous, yeah. how it can even like, mm. and they and they strike them down very often. I yeah. don't know if that. If that type of predicament might occur in chemistry, to same to, to some extent, yes, absolutely. Well, um, you know, there's a question. So, if you if you make um, uh, if you remove the patent, if you if you remove this re- restriction, how would it affect um, commercialization in general? And mm-hmm. uh, would mm-hmm. there be a drive to really put that many new entities on the market? Wow, and yeah. uh, uh, or That's would you be the just content? I do, yeah. yeah, or would you be content with just one thing? Because well, it works. 
okay. Mm. It it does a job more or less, and then I mean, there's really no incentive to uh, mm -hmm. push forward mm -hmm. and generate more. So you know, there's got to be balance, and uh, mm -hmm. I um, I know that was uh, one of the questions that you guys brought up in the past. Um, uh, you know, really, it's I think it's a really really complex. Uh, mm -hmm. problem and uh, mm -hmm. again don't want to I feel like tell me what you think about this because I we always talk about this and to an extent with every guest actually so yeah. far and I would say in engineering and product development yeah I feel like patents as what you mentioned is a drive to be more innovative right For, but then you with with guy he always talks about like how there's a moral aspect to like biology because you're actually developing medicine yeah so yeah. should we patent medicine where it's actually going to be helping a society so what would you would you say that like we sh we can't take the patents out because in uh, in product development it's the it's the part that innovates like IBM you mentioned how like they're amazing because they have that many patents you're using that criteria <laughs> to show how amazing they are so maybe if you take that away this innovation incentive is going to go do you think that yeah. or well um i think there's a a bit of a business um <laughs> <laughs> they measure the it's mm -hmm. it's it's a pro profit company, right? They have to yeah. like everything they do. Uh, they have to make money. That's kind mm -hmm. of a, a whole idea of business. So uh, for the company specifically for IBM, it's one of the ways of generating money, mm -hmm. generating the revenue by um, selling some of the intellectual property. So uh, when it comes to uh, medicine, <laughs> I mean it's in the uh, I think it's such a pain point and also. Um, you know, something that really allows uh, pharmaceutical industry to um, charge this exuberant fees, right, for mm. uh, all the drugs or new drugs that come on the market and uh, uh, drive um, healthcare to be so, so expensive. Mm. So um, <laughs> I think <laughs> this is uh, absolutely not acceptable statement, uh, would not be acceptable by any pharmaceutical company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we have to protect our <laughs> molecules. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I I don't think I'm qualified to speak. Um, if, let's say, you have something protected, uh, maybe that controls the, um, you know, the quality um, and uh, uh, the way something is manufactured or it's mm -hmm. done. Um, so there's got to be, like, some additional reason why you want to uh, protect the formula just aside from the fact that you would be the only person generating money. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm naive, but, again, uh, I, I don't have experience to work with pharma or, like, looking into mm -hmm. intricacies mm -hmm. of uh, patenting in pharma. Yeah. So I think uh, Louis actually would be a better person to yeah. comment on that. Um, but, um, you know, it's definitely an amazing um, opportunity to generate uh, money. And mm. uh, they've been doing this successfully for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when it's life or death, then you get a different thing. It's like, okay, we're creating this. Let's say you're an engineer. You invented some electronic device. Yeah. Like, okay, well, mm -hmm. it, it improves your life. But, um, you know, it's not like, well, if you don't get this drug that costs 100 grand a month, you're yeah. just gonna die sorry yeah. <laughs> that's why i was kind of like I, it's so cool that we have victoria now to show us so would then can i summarize this discussion with saying that with engineering applications mm -hmm. we should actually promote patents can i say it or well, in a way that's dangerous to say well you know it's um it's good to have the ownership and uh it definitely promotes our uh, princess competitiveness and uh um which also uh gives you ability to mm -hmm. uh uh, raise income, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you take that away and say no, everything should be open, then I think a lot of people will be like, ah, oh, whatever. Should we? Yeah, I mean, should I, we I, even go through I, all of that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, is I, it worth it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm arguing against complete openness. It's more in the sense, and we always come back to this. It's more in the sense that 
like research that has been publicly funded that yeah. leads to the development of these projects, mm -hmm. it it is inherently unethical because it's like Charging when you're when you're oh, yeah, yeah. yeah when your investor puts money into your company and they have equity in whatever is produced well they put money in and yeah. now they have some stake in the game yeah and but that's the same as the taxpayer they've right, put money right. into that's a the development argument you're exactly. right once well, you bring that yeah yeah well that's that's an amazing uh, such a great point such a great point yeah. yes so uh <laughs> how how do you go about it so i would say um uh, a lot of discoveries that um, have been made by pharmaceutical industry, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or for, I don't know, polymer industry for that matter. Uh, quite a bit of it is based on the fundamental research that has been done in academia. Mm -hmm. And that research has been supported by taxpayers. Yeah. So in this case, what is it like? Double whammy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. double, double yeah. dipping. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's I don't, very, yeah. It's the double dipping part that I find unethical. Now, mm. if you're... Genentech and you developed everything in house and never took a single dollar of taxpayer money, then for all intents yeah, and purposes, yeah. it's yours. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, how can you disregard the, like, let's say you look at something like CRISPR. There's 15 years of foundational research Absolutely, before yes. it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, well, sorry, now you guys are going to double dip for all the gene editing technology yeah. that comes out of it. But millions were point. spent to yeah. make, to, Millions at the highest risk stage, so yeah. in a sense, yeah. it's, it's of the it's highest like, equity. Yeah. Yeah. I find that as like a paradox. Like I don't know, it's hard for me to like. One time, I'm like one side, like I'm low. It drives innovation. Let's promote it. And then when you tell me this, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Well, uh, at the end of the day, like I see it as no, uh, the the greatest discoveries have been made using this kind of public funds because no or very very few um, corporations would take these kinds of risky mm -hmm. endeavors like oh, what, what yes. corporation mm -hmm. would spend 15 years studying like thermophilic bacteria in some geo in some geo vents to find you know tac mm -hmm. polymerase no way like it, it's yeah, just un yeah. It, yeah. it's not they're not gonna do that <laughs> yeah. that's true it's not going to happen well um i think you know some redeeming features that uh patents have um a shelf life. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> so Saving after 20 grace. years, you know, <laughs> you can take a full advantage of it without mm. pain. So, uh, but overall system is rather complicated and I think it's really bloated. Um, definitely benefits a lot of people uh, mm. along the way. <laughs> uh, it is expensive. And uh, um, yeah, I think collectively, you know, collectively for us, we can um, think of the ways of how to uh, make it more efficient and uh, uh, without this, Disadvantage, well, not disadvantage, but like this unfair um, double dipping. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. the that, that's yeah. the only thing I'm really saying. Whether you use them or not, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just the fairness. Ah, I don't know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, it's you a know, very tricky very question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Controversial. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we are reaching towards our yeah. end, so I kind of want to close with a few questions. Uh, I want to start by asking you, how would you define failure? Well, um, and if even failure exists in Victoria's good mindset. question, um, well, I I don't really believe in failure. I guess you just like keep on kicking. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the keep on kicking part. <laughs> uh, so it's probably you know the failure would be um, uh, failure of your spirits when mm. you have like absolutely zero to give and uh, zero desire to move forward. So wow. that's that truly is a failure. I love that. So you don't have any more energy any more agency uh, driving force none of that is left and uh, that's the failure failure is when you have nothing to give 
That's a quote Pretty I got from you. Yes. So I'm going to quote you by that, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of yes. people should not start have a startup? Um, well, I think to, um, to be in a startup, and uh, I can't say that I'm that person, but somebody who is um, extremely optimistic, mm. you know, despite, <laughs> despite all odds, just optimistic and extremely positive and just believing that things are going to work out. Uh, maybe by nature of, uh, you know, just being a scientist, you're always skeptical. Yeah. So you're kind of more in a, almost like a pessimistic side, you know, mm. you just always expect yeah. that there's going to be failure. Yeah, because <laughs> you've seen it a lot during oh, your experiments. Yeah, yeah. So. Like, well, uh, you <laughs> know, see, I'm going through it right now, so I totally relate. <laughs> well, this is, this is the reality of it. Most likely it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, if it does, then... Um, but I don't think it's a good attitude for somebody who uh, has to constantly be uh, the cheerleader, the motivator, um, you know, for a group of people to uh, move forward. So mm. I'm, uh, I'm very enjoying uh, being the on the technical side of things. And uh, I think for me personally, that would be... Um, almost you know mentally taxing <laughs> yeah. to constantly be <laughs> the the designated pollyanna of the of the group yes yeah as a as a scientist who now has a startup as well um uh, the most that i can get to is cautiously optimistic yeah, anything right. beyond that is is <laughs> Uh, that's it that's as far as my skepticism will stretch <laughs> well so i guess i'm not the, I'm not the only one right so it's kind of yeah. uniform across the board <laughs> optimistic is that's a very scary that, that i can't do that well the, i think fine. yes I think in science you just can't really be optimistic you know like cautiously mm. optimistic yes that's the, that's the right description what would you say is the biggest life takeaway from being a scientist um well, I think it's, you know, we, we mentioned this um, quite a few times, just resilience. You just mm. never give up. Resilience. <laughs> yes. If you could change one thing about your career path, what would it be? Um, I would probably, I would have I left IBM probably sooner. Wow, <laughs> really? Ooh. <laughs> That's a statement, yes. <laughs> well, you know, um, another, another takeaway, actually. I have to uh, ask why, Victoria. Yeah, if you so want to answer. If, of course. Uh, the answer, the answer, maybe more related to your previous question. Mm -hmm. um, to me personally, uh, it's important to almost be uncomfortable all the time. Mm. In the sense, like uncomfortable uh, with, um, not not uncomfortable in like a negative connotation, but mm. um, outside of your comfort zone. So mm. something that you don't mm -hmm. know. So you're constantly learning, you're growing. Like everything is new. As, as soon as you familiarize yourself with the the system, the um, the, the the rituals you know mm. the day to day um uh it just it just becomes uh, a routine and i think the life is really short I love um that. and um you know this this time uh when you're just going through the motions um you're never going to get back so mm. time see what is a renewable resource time is not a renewable resource wow. so this is something to keep that. in mind wow. and uh um so Absolutely. i think you know just b by uh, virtue of being a very large company while um mm -hmm. ibm is exciting still um you know there's a bit of a routine involved and uh when you're just starting everything is new um you're learning so much and then um your learning curve kind of flattens so speaking scientific language <laughs> asymptomatically approaches right mm -hmm. um so um i think um i, I kind of uh, i should have made myself a little more uncomfortable sooner mm. so that's that's the takeaway but yeah. you know there's always the place and time yeah um, what when is dr victoria satisfied oh gosh <laughs> 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 like uh uh 
professionally. <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything, because you're yeah. you're you're a scientist and a human. That's um, how I see you. So, so as a scientist, probably never. Um, there is always more. There is always more, mm -hmm. and uh, that's exciting that there is always more because I think it would be. Um, depressing if you know well this is the end this is mm. the end of the road that's really sad um, so on the personal level um, you know I'm very um, just very happy um, have people um, um, who I love uh, people mm. who I care about know that they're well um, have a puppy oh. <laughs> What, what, what is, what's, what's uh, his name? He's a Bernadoodle. He's the cutest, <laughs> uh, yeah, cutest thing. His name oh. is Louis. So he's a lolly dog, uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, he's um, um, he has a he's designated spot and uh, in the company, and he's allowed to come to office. So mm. you know that he's real. He's a true yeah. member of the company. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say that the personal inner Victoria would usually tell Doctor Victoria on a daily basis, or like? on a hard <laughs> encounter, like for example. The, the person Victoria. Uh. Like Victoria, <laughs> the kid from, that came from Russia, that is just like, <laughs> <laughs> what would that Victoria talk to Dr. Victoria usually in certain occasions? Well, um, probably, oh my gosh, how are we gonna do this? We're definitely <laughs> going to fail, <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna work. <laughs> Panic. But then you collect yourself and you're oh. like, well, you know, <laughs> we've been in worse situations before, so mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's, give it, let's give it a shot, let's give mm. it a try. <laughs> um, and uh, you know that goes vice versa, so it's always, um, um, kind of having this like daring voice, like yeah. well, let's let let's try it. I mean, what's mm -hmm. worse that could happen? Yeah. And uh, um, so I I think like one of my uh, personal um, kind of <laughs> mottos, uh, if you will, is that it's better to regret regret the things that you've done mm -hmm. rather than the things that you've not done. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Not tried. So um, I think I followed that rule quite a few times. Ah. <laughs> mm. oh. It's uh, it's very interesting talking to you, Victoria. <laughs> I, I feel like there's more to talk, but unfortunately, <laughs> right, running out of time. End, yeah, running out of time. But we have a surprise, okay. and the surprise, surprise is <laughs> it's basically called the one game. Okay. And basically, in that one game, we ask you a question, and you have to answer it with the one thing. Uh -huh. So and no multiple answers. That's not mm -hmm. allowed. The rules of the game: you're allowed one pass mm -hmm. if you don't want to answer it, and then the mm -hmm. second rule is you can throw one question to either me or Guy. You pick, okay. uh, like, guy should answer or Ali. Okay. So, okay, we're starting. What is the one thing you hate the most about being a scientist? Um, experimental failure. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one, oh, no, one, one, oh, one Oh, just a comment, just yes. a comment. <laughs> Unless, sometimes we do want to know why, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. no, we yeah, shouldn't, like actually. Why? Yeah. Why, why is experimental <laughs> failure the thing I hate most? I mean, it, it feels <laughs> like crap, yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> what is the one thing you fear the most in science? Um, you know, being being wrong and being wrong publicly. That's why. That's <laughs> oh my god, I'm sweating. <laughs> Don't even say that. Oh my god, yes. Being wrong is one thing. Being wrong <laughs> and being put on the record for it is like this is yes, this is a nightmare of mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that definitely that that's uh, that's where this you know checking triple checking and always questioning comes from. Mm -hmm. yes. The one person dead or alive you want to have dinner with and why? Uh, um, again, speaking like from professional perspective, could either be both. personally, oh, personally, too. or okay. yeah, yeah. professional. Uh, um, how about we pass? <laughs> okay, what is the one personality trait you wish you had? 
um, probably um, being more communicable, you know, just mm. like striking the conversation easier. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a powerful one. What is the one pet peeve you have? Sloppiness. <laughs> what is the Hate one that. most <laughs> common white lie you use? Uh, <laughs> I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Victoria. Yes. No, 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 I can't say that. No, that's true, that's true. Well, that was that was really embarrassing and uh, not the typical mode of operandi. So, like, I'm, I'm no, no, no. Fabricating no. You were ex traveling. excuses, excuses <laughs> here. Uh, and uh, with that said, I also, you know, I spent what, almost 10 years in LA, but I really forgot how bad the traffic is. <laughs> so it's like a, a thing. It's like an organism on its own, right? It just <laughs> evolves and Troubles. Yeah, you would have been shocked to have been here at the onset of COVID because it was LA without traffic for the first time in its history. <laughs> right, right. No, I've heard about it. Like pe people were um, just absolutely shocked and uh, in disbelief. But yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Wait, so that was the lie? Are we set on that one or no? I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's that should it? definitely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is the one most compliment comment you usually get in your life? Oh, uh, well, you have beautiful hair. Ooh, <laughs> I can assure them Luscious. L'Oreal <laughs> <laughs> sponsorship. What is the most influential movie you've seen or book you've read? Um, you know, there are quite a few. Um, just what comes to mind. That's a tough question, actually. It I is. Feel like I don't know if I would answer. I can answer it easily. It is. Um, so don't throw it at us. <laughs> <laughs> um. I would say, uh, you know, like influential on like a very philosophical level, yeah. um, 100 Years of Solitude. Oh, mm. so good. Yes. If you yeah. can remember who's who. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Well, like, now they provide you with like a little chart on yes, the back please. of a book. Yes. Oh, wow. No, they do. They do. So it's like the whole family tree. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. Mm. It's like it's like and the names are the same, right? So yeah. It's like <laughs> You're like, uh, who is it? It's like when you it's the same thing in Russian literature. It's like. Oh my god, like I legit I cannot remember who is who. <laughs> the names are start to get so similar and convoluted. So <laughs> what is the one song you keep going back to? Well, you know, it depends on the um I guess it's not it's not the right the right way to answer your question. Depends mm. on the mood, like what 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 strikes me. Um. But what, what what we mean by this question, which I think we should rephrase it because it's a confusing question. Well, it's but like throughout <laughs> your life there must yeah. be like a like you always come back to it. Like, yeah, it's a like, song that after many years, you're like, oh, I, I want to listen to it, to it again. You know, um, really like Guns N' Roses, actually. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, they have quite a few, uh, but they have several staples. So any of um, those songs would I always <laughs> welcome. Ending this with the one job you pick other than what you're doing now. Um, if you weren't in science, let's yes. say. Um, I would be a therapist. Ooh, wow. Ooh fun. That's so cool. <laughs> All right, finally ending. I promise you, this is the last part of the game. So we say one word, and you tell us immediately what you think of when with replying with the one word. Okay. Association game. Yes. Association. So, seaweed. Um. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking how honest should I be here? <laughs> Pure honesty. We love that. Please. Um... The very recent one is regeneration. Uh, the like a knee-jerk reaction is smell. Smell. Mm. Well, oh, also smell. I grew up on a coast, like very close to the coast, and uh, you see this green pile. So now I see this differently, right? Mm. Like it has a um, <laughs> it has a second nature that I haven't seen before. It's like oh, you know, uncovered these layers. Like this person has so much to them. Uh, mm. But uh, what it usually manifests is. Uh, <laughs> 
pretty yeah. strong smell. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the uh, skincare products, like creme de la mer. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is true. Skin. Yes, yes. Yeah. The premium, premium skincare. Very. Borscht. Borscht. Am I saying it uh, correct? Borscht. Um, <laughs> I don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Russian no. dish, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. is it, actually? It's, uh, it's a soup. It's uh, a pretty hearty soup, yes. Um, just kind of a stew, you know, good for um, cold weather. Mm. Um, never had um, love for heavy, f- well, borscht or soups or... Um, <laughs> the ter- terrible thing to say. I, ca- I can't say that I, I, I like Russian cuisine, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I've, never I'm ha- hurt. I've never had it. You actually. had it this weekend, Ollie. Really? Yes, we ate it. What was it? Oh, wait, never mind. We didn't. No, we didn't. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, was, I would have remembered. I'm, I, I'm no, confusing. No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we had Mexican, so. <laughs> L.A. Um, fun. Ooh, ballet. <laughs> ballet. Um, beauty and elegance. Two Ooh, words. I love that. I love that you insisted on two words on this. <laughs> Art. Um, excitement. Cigarette. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that by itself is a cool word to actually <laughs> use. <laughs> <laughs> why <laughs> I guess the, the, the answer would be why like what is it that you're getting out of it <laughs> <laughs> that's true love love um, uh, well that's a tough one you know one word you think of that's the creativity part um, selfless mm, success um, humble jaguar uh, one of the cars I wanted to have in the past. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> we were thinking the animal. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Guy rocking. Um, uh, you guys are really fun. <laughs> Victoria, thank you so much for being here. You showed up. We learned the fancy lab code is lucky to have you. Oh, yes. thank you so much, you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, despite all the um, getting here troubles. And uh, thank you. Yes, thank Privileged you for being so, so patient you. with me. Thank yes. you so much. It's we love great. Every minute. Thank five you. minutes late. <laughs> Yeah, now we're, uh, I mean, we're hungry food. and I say it's food. time to get food. <laughs> All right. So, peace out. <laughs> <laughs>